just to encourage the leader, this isn't something that you have to go from 100 to zero on over the course of the next month. So take a deep breath as you feel that tension and you and you understand that like, well, how, how are the bills going to get paid? You know, like, what is that happening? Take a deep breath, identify what you want to be true and start taking steps to go from here to there. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Shedd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Well, this is part two in a series with our COO, Zach Estes, that is entirely focused on operational excellence. And in the first episode of this series, we focused on the distinction between value and waste and why it's so crucial for you as a leader to create a culture that is committed to generating, creating, and delivering value and reducing waste. Now, today, we're going to dive deeper into the role that a leader can play and specifically how they can invest their time into moving the business forward. And this whole topic that we're going to focus on today was actually inspired by a LinkedIn post that Zach wrote. So, I want to start by reading the LinkedIn post and then we'll jump into the topic that is so crucial for how leaders think about using their time in service of the business. Here we go. Okay, Zach, round two. Uh, I felt like the best way to start this episode would be to read something that you posted on LinkedIn recently. And I always feel so blessed and grateful because there's times where you send me things a day or two before and you say, I'm going to post this on LinkedIn. And so I, get, I feel like I get the preview and this was one of those. And so we're going to jump into this and this will really serve as the foundation for what we're going to walk through in this episode. It says, there are three types of work, in, on, and out. In the business is the creation and delivery of value for the customer. On the business is the maximization of efficiency and effectiveness for in the business work. Out of the business is the organization of resources to ensure in the business and on the business work is sufficient and sustainable. So, Here's the question, what role are you playing? As a rule, and there are always exceptions, frontline team members work in the business, leaders work on the business, and owners work out of the business. Uh, I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, that feels like way more than a LinkedIn post. So <laughs> I, I think first, before we jump into in, on, and out, what I'd like for you to do is to really kind of describe how that topic connects to everything that we're talking about as it relates to operational excellence and value and waste. Yeah. The the biggest thing I'd say here is whenever we are thinking about the functionality of a business and it's to create and deliver value to the customer, always just coming back to what value is. And so value is really only done in the business, right? If you think about what this machine, what this business, what this asset is actually doing, what's the impact it's making, that is only period, end of story, done in the business. And so how this relates to identifying value versus non-value is that really only value is happening in the business, which automatically means on the business work and out of the business work is all things that your customers are not paying you for. That's you as a steward are making decisions of investment and you're making a bet saying that this investment will help us organize in such a way that we will create a return from this investment and 
through that return, there will be proof that value is being created and delivered for people who are being served for our customers. Mm. I, I love that description. And I think in a way that I've never heard it communicated before, it really highlights the psychological tension that so many entrepreneurs face and experience whenever they're making that transition of being the in the business tactician to being the on the business strategist. Because whether they're able to articulate or not, is it's like, well, our current customers pay me to be the tactician. And now I'm reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts (laughs) that are making me feel like a bad leader Mm. because I'm not quote unquote, working on the business. And I think that it's like, okay, well, in some ways it's like, yeah, you really should care about what the customer is paying for. And so then it brings up conversations about delegation and properly creating systems. So in the business work is still accomplished. But I think it just highlights the psychological tension that people experience in a way that I've never thought about it before, you know? That's a great point. How how do you think that plays out? Like, have you ever experienced that? What, is, what does that look like for you and, and your ownership and leadership of Path for Growth? So in the business work for me as the CEO and owner of Path for Growth is me doing one-on-one coaching calls and a couple of consulting gigs that we do on a quarterly basis in person around the country. And I have a very limited number of one-on-one customers And we've kind of shifted towards that model where I'm spending, you know, at first I was spending 80% of my time doing one-on-one customers. And then it shifted to maybe 50%. And now it's probably uh, less than 15% right now focusing on -on one-on-one customer work. And every time we shift that down and shift that over, because thankfully our customers have made that transition really well. And our team is just full of studs and studettes that we've been able to transition those. So it's not like we're just cutting bait and moving forward, right? But every time I do that, it it requires me a little bit to reinvent myself and Mm. to say, okay, you are making a calculated decision. You are making a bet that it will be in the best interest of other people for you to play the role of CEO instead of the role of one-on-one coach, that it will be better for the business and for other people people for you to work on the business instead of in the business. And that can be a little bit intimidating because I know how much money I make the business working in the business. I can see it. And and so it's like, holy cow, like you're telling me that me being a part of this strategic planning meeting could be worth more than that. Well, then it's like, holy cow, the pressure's on for me to really perform in that strategic planning meeting. And so I don't know that I've actually thought about it this way until you just asked that question, but it's like, Everyone, 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 if you own a business, you will experience the tension of, I I am the tactician, I'm shifting towards being the CEO, and I one day want to be the owner, if that's your aspiration, and just recognize that that's part of the gig, and it would be way better for you to make those choices about trade-offs intentionally instead of accidentally. Oh, love that. Can I, one other thing for the sake of the audience So let's say you've gone from 80% in the business to 10% in the business today. And the business has been going for three years. This wasn't an overnight thing. This wasn't an overnight transition or any of those things. And so just to encourage the leader, this isn't something that you have to go from 100 to zero on over the course of the next month. So take a deep breath as you feel that tension and and you understand that like, well, how how are the bills going to get paid? You know, like what is that happening? Take a deep breath, 
identify what you want to be true, right? We call those success statements and path for growth and start taking steps to go from here to there. And it also helps the way you think of the role of CEO because it's like, okay, I'm no longer engaging in the work that is creating value for others. I'm not doing that because value is what the customer pays for. And if I'm 100% the CEO, then I'm no longer doing that. So what is the best way that I can serve the team if I'm being the CEO? I can multiply the way that our team members create value for others. If there's things that I can do that will not just add to their efforts, but rather multiply their efforts so that they're more equipped, more empowered, more engaged, they're fully resourced, they're fully served to be as efficient and as effective as possible, well, then I'm winning as a CEO. But to the degree I'm still piddling around doing things that are only solving one-off problems or having one-off conversations or making one-off sales – I mean, that, that may be necessary and it may be fine. Just mm. don't call it being a CEO. That's so good. Yeah. That's, it's I mean, so helpful that behind my screen as I'm talking about this, I've got a mirror. And so I can just literally make sure that I'm talking to myself and that I can see myself as I'm saying this because I, I think I need to hear this as much as anyone does. That's really good, though. I mean, we talk about that with our customers a lot. Many conversations I've had recently, especially on office hours, have revolved around talking to the owner and not the CEO. And so you as an owner have hired you as a CEO to do a job. Is that CEO working 10% of the time? And you know, like, what are you paying that CEO? And so just thinking about functionally, right? That's, that's work out of the business. Thinking about functionally, what are your roles inside of the business, especially as a small business owner, someone leading or running or owning a small business What are your roles, plural, inside of a business? And just be really intentional with what's the cost of that? There's a cost associated with that. How is that helping get value to the customer on time, on budget, all of those things? It would be interesting to look at structurally each of these phases. So in, on, out. Because they're all, if your business is functioning, hopefully they're operating in some way or format. And I think it would be good for us to talk about how to structure the business to optimize for these things to occur the way that they should. And you've been really intentional and our leadership team has been really intentional of saying, okay, in the business work is the work that is creating value for the customer And so we are going to have individuals on our team that their full-time job is creating value for the customer. Like the customer pays us for coaching and their full-time job is to be a professional world-class coach with experience owning or running a business that they can now bring in service of others. And that's something that I know you really pushed for as we were creating kind of the future role charts for this business. Can you explain why structurally you really felt like, man, we really want to have roles on our role chart that are completely dedicated and focused on within their success statements of my job is to create and deliver value for the customer. Yeah, I think it just kind of comes back to like an efficiency thing. And so just really equipping someone to be able to focus on the value creation and delivery for the customer, for someone just that to be their full job and then us to build an infrastructure, build an organization in such a way that that makes that process more and more available, possible, easy, so that they can increase their effectiveness and get better at it as professionals. But meanwhile, have the infrastructure and support to not 
have other questions in their mind, like how do things get scheduled? Who do I go for this question? Who's making decisions about the type of technology that I use? What process am I following? Like all of those questions need to be answered so that this person can focus on best serving the customer in our industry, in our business, and do it efficiently without questions. Another tangential example would be like insurance, you know, healthcare insurance, providing 401k, all of those things. Those are questions that are happening in your team members' minds that could distract them. And so the bet that an owner or an operator is making whenever they're making that investment, and maybe it's not always worth the return, but typically we've kind of seen as like an industry standard it is. Maybe the bet is if I take care of these things in such a way that provides clarity and comfort and convenience for what's in the best interest of my team member and their family, they don't have to worry about those things. So they can show up fully focused on creating and delivering value. So that's just like a really practical, tangible example of something that's not value, but is a good investment so that your team member can focus on creating and delivering value for the customer. I think I really struggled with this concept at first, and I've spent some time thinking about why I struggled with it. And I think it's because I had background where I spent some time working in and around a church. And Mm -hmm. I've observed this in other people that work in ministry or in nonprofits, especially they get really good at being really scrappy Mm -hmm. and they abhor unused talent, right? So they see everyone on their team, maybe they've got an eight person team and it's like, you're not an assistant to the lead pastor. You're like the chief everything of everything. And Mm. you make sure that the sanctuary is clean on Sunday and you manage his calendar and you make sure you're talking with the team members before his one-on-one meeting and you're making sure you're booking the travel and you're doing all these other things. You're in the creative planning meeting. Sometimes you show up on the podcast that the church puts out every, every Monday after the service. And it's like, that person doesn't actually have a role. That person has like 10 roles, right? That they're playing. And that's a lot of times what ministry does. And, And a lot of times if people have a background in ministry, and maybe even if they don't, they bring that philosophy into business. Hmm. And what I've had to learn is it's like, man, it will benefit the business and it will benefit that person to get really, really clear on what is their unique gifting, what is their unique wiring, what is the role that that fits into in the business, and then what is capacity for that? And how do we max out on them being at capacity for that thing? And the, the metaphor I always think of now is like the great football teams, right? University of Alabama, I'm not going to say a couple of them because I abhor a couple of them, but let's let's focus on University of Alabama, Clemson, right? George is playing really good right now. University of Texas is what I would say, right? They're a great football team, right? When we look at the great football teams, it's like the quarterbacks of those football teams are incredible athletes. They are outrageous, incredible, world-class athletes. There are situations where it might make sense. They could also play receiver during some games Hmm. where it's like, okay, they'll play quarterback and then they'll also play receiver on certain plays. Or maybe they'll play cornerback or safety because they're really fast as well, right? And it's like, you can make a case where it's like, 
maybe we should do that, right? Well, you don't do that. Why? Because you want the quarterback to be focused on playing quarterback and you don't want to risk him getting injured or hurt because you're overextending him. And so folks, let your receivers be receivers. Let your quarterbacks be quarterbacks. Let your safeties be safeties and stop trying to take a superstar and overextend them by having them play 10 different roles. Yeah. I I think I can immediately hear someone saying, okay, but I had to do everything. It used to just be me. It used to just be me. And and I would just encourage that person to think and consider, yeah, but that's not what you want. That's not what you want to be treated. You know you weren't most effective at any of those things when you had to do everything. And so you don't want that for your team either. That's that's not an end vision for your team. That's not an end vision for your business. The vision should be it or should involve clarity and provide focus for all of your team members, even for your customers too. If you try to go and do 50 different things, 50 different services, 50 different products, you're going to look up and say, are we supporting these well? Are we improving on these well? Are we maintaining these well? Are our customers confused because they don't even know what we're providing? They don't know if we're the, the HVAC guy or the clean house guy because we do both. And so like, you know, it's confusing if you look at someone and say, are they a quarterback or are they a lineman? And it's like, well, you shouldn't probably be asking those questions because if you're asking that question, then they're probably not good at either of them. That's right. Yeah, that's such that's such a good analogy because a quarterback and a lineman <laughs> yeah. have a lot not in common, right? But what's even worse is not when you're asking that question, but what if your superstar athlete team member is asking, am I a receiver or am I a right guard? Yeah. You think they're going to be effective ever? You are like diminishing their return for the organization by so much. And I think this exact topic is why the role chart is one of the 12 fundamentals within the initial path for growth process, right? So everyone that enters into path for growth coaching or the executive membership walks through the installation of 12 fundamentals for healthy business into their organization. And the role chart is really a vision for what is the structure of your organization. And instead of everyone's currently doing everything, so that's the way it will always be, it's not to say we can't snap our fingers and make that all change overnight. Maybe we just say everyone's currently doing everything and we're going to try and get on paper what all that is. But then we're going to cast a vision for what do we want it to be? Maybe someone could be a quarterback and maybe someone could be a receiver and maybe someone could be a safety and, and giving your people vision for what you want them to get closer to every single day, because without vision, it will not be a river where it moves in a direction. It will be a pond. And in pond, there is scum, there is stagnancy, there is toxicity, and ultimately there's death, right? A river has banks, it has flow, it has direction, it has power, and that's always provided by vision in the context of an organization. Yeah. Let's mention one other thing. So it's easy to use quarterbacks, linemen, receivers, safeties, all of those positions on the field. But you have to remember what a football team is made up of. It's made up of way more than that. It's made up of coaches. It's made up of trainers. It's made up of water boys and water girls, ball boys, ball girls. It's made up of managers and sometimes owners if they're a professional team. And so just thinking about like all of the roles in that organization organized in such a way that the players on the field can execute. They can do what they're meant to do and provide the value for the people watching the game, right? It's an, it football at the end of the day is entertainment. 
and you want to see a good game, if you saw a bunch of people playing, you know, worse than pickup, it wouldn't be entertaining. You want to see professionals executing. And so all that to say, there's so many roles that are not value added, but that help the effectiveness and efficiency of those people on the field execute. And that's the job of the trainers, the coaches, managers, owners, all of those things. Yeah. And then I just think about how horrible an experience it would be as a fan if I showed up, paid a bunch of money, sitting on the 50-yard line, and no one ever stepped on the field. It was just a bunch of people running around on the sideline with headsets on. Yeah. And they were talking right. to their headsets really nice, man. And they were excited about what was going on, but we didn't have any players because all we had were coaches. Right. And what that brings to mind for me is, man, if I'm the CEO of Path for Growth, it means I get to play the role of coach and coordinator. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So cool. Such a gift, such a blessing that I get to do that. What are people paying for? They're paying for the people that are executing on the field. And I should never get it confused that people are paying for me to be CEO. People are paying for us to provide value. And the players that are on the field are the ones that do that. So as a leader, I'm called to serve those people. Yeah. I don't think before we started this podcast, I don't think we knew we were going to use the analogy of football, but I think it's working out pretty well, Zach. Yeah, love it. Very good. Okay, so with that, let's actually move now to on the business. And so what we're talking about here is playing the role of CEO or high-level leader where you're thinking strategically about the business. Whenever we kind of started to have this discussion, I immediately thought about something that uh, Brian Miles, who's probably one of the most effective CEOs, one of the most effective at really moving from in the business to on the business or Mm -hmm. skipping the in the business step altogether so that he could work on the business of anyone that I've ever met in multiple industries, multiple companies. And I'll never forget him telling me is, Alex, the problem with most CEOs is that they spend 80% of their time doing things that CEOs don't actually do. And and so I think what he was alluding to there is, Alex, there are way too many CEOs that are trying to put on a helmet and put on cleats and go play quarterback. Mm. And in doing that, they're not playing the role of CEO. That begs the question, what is the role of CEO? And so when you think of on the business work and the role of CEO, what comes to mind in response to that, Zach? Yeah, I think you kind of said it earlier when thinking about the the football team. You know, if there's no players on the field, if we're not actually serving the customers in the way in which they're expecting the promise that we've made to them, then none of this matters. You know, you can you can look organized, but if nothing's actually happening, if 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 nothing's actually being created or delivered, if that value isn't being created and delivered for the customer, then it doesn't matter. So for any leader in the organization, whether you're a mid-level management or the CEO of a, of a Fortune 500 company, your sole kind of function and responsibility inside of the business is to really support the front line, support the folks who are creating and delivering value, create a way in which it is more effective and efficient to get the customer the promise that you've made. Maybe that's by functionally delivering on time, delivering on budget, right? Making, keeping your promise is essentially what you're doing there. Or sometimes it's, hey, we've actually done such a great job. We're going to pass on the cost savings to you as our customer too. We've, we've innovated in such an amazing way that you don't have to ride horses anymore. You can jump into a car. And the cost savings of getting from here to there in three months is now actually just 12 hours. And so like, that's, that's 
massive. That's innovation. That's something that you're serving the customer for, but that requires something that they're not paying you for until you're actually able to deliver it. So all that to say, if you're the CEO, your whole focus should really be about how can we best equip our team members who are creating and delivering value to go forth and do that as efficiently and effectively as possible. And I think one of the things I've learned since working at Path for Growth and one of the things I've really looked to you for is that your strengths and ability at individual communication, yes, but also organizational communication is the way in which that happens. You know, all of standardization, all of operationalization, team communication, all of those things just come back to the principle of like clarity creates action. If you can make those things clear, if you can get rid of confusion for your team and your customers and clean those things so that they can run, get rid of the blockers, whether it be mental, subconscious, or actual physical blockers, you're making those things more efficient. You're, you're, you're making your team more efficient and effective at actually making an impact for your customer. I think even to break it down in terms of the results that we should be focusing on if we want to play the role of CEO I think number one is the vision of your organization. And mm-hmm. so that's why we walk every single one-on-one customer through the creation of a vision charter. That's fundamental 12 that we say we want a robust, qualitative, and quantitative document that clarifies what are your expectations for the future in terms of what the business is doing financially, what the business is doing in terms of the quality of work, what the culture of the team looks like. Let's get as much of that on paper as we can. But, but then even beyond just the vision that you put on that charter, like some of your time, energy, mental power, prayer, I would argue, should be dedicated to you putting yourself in the space of 18 months ahead of where you are currently and 18 months of where the team is currently and 18 months ahead of where certain team members are currently. And putting yourself in that headspace and gathering vision, and I really like to think of it as collaborating with God, listening to God on like, what do you have for this asset that you've given me to steward, to manage, to lead? And what's the vision that I need to have for this person, for these people, for our customers? And then also in that time, it's really helpful to just sit quietly. I like to do this with my eyes closed, take a deep breath and then say, what are the opportunities that we might currently be blind to or what are the threats that we might be currently avoiding? And so when we talk about vision, we're not just talking about a statement. We're talking about you being a responsible steward of not just the present, but also the future of the organization. Hmm. And not to live in worry and not to live in over-demanding, self-imposing your will on the world that God created, but rather to operate in this middle ground as responsible stewards. So vision is number one. Before I move on from vision, is there anything else you'd like to say on that topic, Zach? I just keep coming back to who is that serving? And that's providing, yes, clarity for where we're going, but it's also providing, it's functionally you acting in the best interest of your team members. And if you're doing that right, it's it's doing that because you're now considering what opportunities are available for are these team members. Maybe it's that they have a job And that's really, really good and right and awesome that they can work well in such an organization that provides for them and their family. That's awesome. Maybe it's that they have growth opportunity to become more capable individuals. Maybe they're a frontline team member and you see something in them that they don't see in themselves where they can become a leader and uh, pour into others, a leader of leaders even. 
And so all of that's wrapped up in vision. It's, it's having the best interest, yes, for even yourself, your family, yes, for your business, yes, for your team members, and yes, for your customers. And so just remembering that vision done poorly looks like probably not operating in the best interest of any of those individuals, frankly, and probably being really selfish. I could see someone just saying like, okay, we're going to set a vision that our, our revenue is this number. That's, a, that's the only clarity that I'm providing vision for. And that's really maybe not even helpful. That could be really distracting. But all that to say, that's getting into the weeds a little bit. Well, no, I, I think it's worth pointing out. I, I met with, I don't know if I've told you this before. I met with a team once. It was a little bit of a sales meeting. And they were talking about doing some strategic planning sessions with us. And I sat down with them and I said, you know, one of the things we would work on this within this session is, you know, what's, what's your vision, you know, short, medium, long term for the business. And I said, I, I know that you don't have that in, anywhere near as detailed as we would have after this session, after you went through coaching, but I'd love to just hear some insight into what your thoughts are on that right now, because in many ways, it's not just them evaluating us, it's us evaluating them and say, can we serve this person? Would yeah. we be able to operate in their best interest? And I'll never forget, the guy looked at me and he said, honestly, Alex, he said, my vision is to be spending all day, every day on the golf course, like tomorrow while everyone else does the work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think you're my guy. You know, like, I don't think we're here to serve you because like we serve impact driven leaders and it's going to take way too much work for you to be able to create the type of business that will generate a lasting and sustainable impact for you to just start being on the golf course if that's where your heart is tomorrow. I admire him for being honest if that's where he's actually at. Yeah. But it's like, let's let's call a spade a spade. And, and so we obviously didn't end up working with him. So vision is number one. One other framework that I like to think through for myself that ties in directly to what Zach said is, I like to think through the lens of, am I catching it? Am I casting it? And am I coaching it? So vision, am I catching it? Am I spending time in prayer and journaling and meditation catching what is the vision that God has for this business that he's given me to steward? Am I casting it? Am I communicating it broadly to the team and to our customers on a consistent basis? And then am I coaching it? Some of the most powerful vision conversations happen one-on-one over a cup of coffee, one-on-one within a meal, one-on-one on on a Zoom Mm -hmm. meeting where I get to coach, hey, here's how what you are doing today connects to a broader future. And here's how I see you fitting into this bigger, greater, grander picture. It's one of the best things you can do as a leader. So vision is number one. Number two in that working on the business role is culture. Culture is the shared values and behaviors of a team. Why does this matter so much? Because culture is how, number one, you put people in positions to be successful. But then number two, you multiply the efforts of the team by creating an environment that points everyone in a unified direction. And that's what culture does. And man, now we talk about you not investing your time and energy in addition, but rather in multiplication because you're multiplying and that's going to create an exponential return. Anything else you'd say on culture, Zach? No, I I think typically, you know, when we think culture, we also think mission, we think core values. And those are tools in which we can use to filter decisions through, which if you think about then becomes, okay, that's a 
functionally what that's doing is instead of people coming to you and asking the business owner or the CEO to make a decision on something, you're empowering them to make a decision based on the best interest of the customer themselves and the team. And so it's just like, wow, okay. It's a form of communication. It's a way in which we can rally ourselves around the shared interest and make decisions like we, and we might make unique decisions. We might not make decisions like one another exactly, but they're going to be the same flavor of decisions so that it's, it's all operating correctly and all operating not at odds with one another. And efficiently is what I would say. There's no bottlenecks. There's no waiting. There's no waste associated with someone just being able to make the decision because they're empowered and equipped to do so. That's right. So we said you're spending your time or investing your time on vision. We said it's on culture. And then a third one that I would call attention to is the results that matter most to the team at that moment. But but a lot of times people take this one as like the results that matter most to the team in this season. And they say, okay, well, the team is, you know, we're running low on sales or we're struggling with sales. So I need to get on the phone and make some sales. Mm -hmm. So basically you're saying I'm abdicating my CEO hat and I'm going to jump in and play the role of tactician. There are seasons where not only is that uh, good, it's necessary for the business to survive, right? That's not where we want to be, but it might be where you are. The goal is not to stay there though, right? And so what we say whenever we say you're investing your time, effort, and energy into the results that matter most for the team is we're, we're saying that we want you to play the role of 360 degree consultative leader. And so hopefully you've got a leadership team meeting structure. That's why that's our third fundamental within the Path for Growth Fundamentals is creating a formalized standard and structure for a leadership team meeting. And, and your role as CEO within the leadership team meeting is not to get into the weeds of mm-hmm. every single tactic, every single action, every single priority even. It's to be the steward of the 360 degree picture of the organization and to just ask great questions ask great questions that compel action, give thoughts, say, have you considered this? Have you thought about this? What are your thoughts on this? Can you explain this to me? And maybe ask the question, how can I serve or help? Because there is something and people always say, okay, well, there's some horsepower associated with having that CEO title. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's some horsepower associated with it. Ask your leadership team, how can I leverage this position I've been given to serve or help the objectives that you are trying to accomplish? And and so I think that's what it looks like to focus on the results that matter most in that season. Would you you say that's right, Zach? Oh, yeah. I think that's great. I have nothing to add to that. (laughs) Okay, very good. Well, then this was the part of the post that honestly I got so excited about was not the working in the business, not the working on the business, but everything that you said about working out of the business, because I think this is a lot of times talked about, but it's not talked about. Like it's something that so many owners want and they think that the path to getting there is just moving from working in to working on. But what we've observed recently is exactly what you characterized in that post was you got to be able to have an understanding and really have a vision of what it means to work out of the business. So can you unpack that a little bit for everyone that's listening? Yeah, I I, I think so often businesses are organized in such a way where the owner is the CEO, right? That's you. That's you in Path for Growth right now. And so you just adopt this mentality that that's one role, but actually it's not. One role is outside of the business, that's owner, and one role is inside the business, and that's CEO. And functionally, whether you like it or not, you've hired yourself to be the CEO. 
maybe you're a good CEO, maybe you're a bad CEO. I'm not talking directly about you, but I'm just talking <laughs> about you know anyone. If you just like made that decision without any forethought, you've made that decision, period. So now the question is, okay, let's not worry about the role of CEO. Let me just step back as an owner of this asset that I want to be making an, a positive impact on the people who are served by it, served through it, and who are in it doing the work that it's meant to do, right? Who are, who's operating this business? Who's running this business? Who's inside of this business? And who's being impacted by this business? I want to consider all of those things. And that's from the CEO all the way to the frontline team member and back up, right? And so as an owner, and this gets way more complicated if you have partners, right? Because if they need to have this similar lens, if it's not just you as a sole owner, but you being able to step back and saying, how is this business organized? Who's the leadership? Like, how's the leadership team organized? Do I trust how the CEO is investing his or her time on the business? Do I trust that they have, that they've set up the business in such a way that's um, operating in the best interest of the customer and the team and my best interest? You know, and you're kind of having this conversation about yourself oftentimes if you're the owner and the CEO. And so I think it really comes down to understanding what your role as the owner is and setting up the asset itself to be able to sustainably and effectively operate in the best interests of all parties involved. And that's really the, the, the owner's responsibility because you could fire yourself. You could replace yourself, not be the CEO and hire someone to be a really effective CEO if you are not being the CEO. Or maybe now, just from hearing this conversation, you're having the realization that, oh, I've been abdicating that responsibility. I've just had the title of CEO because I'm the owner. Maybe I actually can and want to and have the strengths to be a CEO. And maybe it's time for me to step into that. There's so many ways we could take this topic. And I think we will spend more episodes on this topic in the future but one of the things as you're talking about that that came to mind for me that I'm just so grateful for, and it's not something I necessarily planned, is I think it was within the first probably three months of starting this business, I went to a business and leadership conference that was just so powerful. It was one of the most informative events I've ever been to. And one of the things that one of the teachers challenged everyone in the room to do or it was, it was a Zoom room at that time because it was COVID time, but he challenged everyone in this massive Zoom room. He said, what's the exit strategy for your business? Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I started the business like literally three months ago. I, I probably can skip this session. And then he articulated the statistics around the number of businesses that fail or deteriorate just mm -hmm. because no one had an exit strategy. There was none. And then whenever they got to the time where you're going to have to exit, uh, there was no plan in place. And that's not something you can do without a plan. And, and so he kind of highlighted the fact that it's like probably the best time to focus on that is early, like as early as you possibly can, yeah. because what often happens is leaders don't envision the business ever operating without themselves. They, it, they can't even, it's like the two are so wildly intertwined that they don't even have a vision for it. And so that when it actually becomes the point where they turn like 75 years old, they're like surprised. They're like, oh my gosh, maybe we should have been asking that question. And, yeah. and so what's your exit strategy for your business? And then 
are the strategies that you're applying yourself to right now and that your team is applying itself to right now conducive to that overarching vision and strategy? Because a lot of times they're at odds and we're going to have to make some changes and shifts. That's right. That's right. I think something that I've seen be helpful recently in, inside of our membership and in, in office hours is kind of posing this question to owners of businesses, which is even if you're a sole owner right now, you have no one else to kind of wrestle with or combat ideas or challenges with. Let's say you're one single individual owner of the business. Well, what if you have two kids? Okay, now let's go through the steps of you and your spouse pass away and now there are two owners of this business. Let's just go ahead and think in their best interest to set up this business in such a way that is a blessing and not a burden to them. So if you're like, I know that impact driven leaders will think through that and say, yeah, I want to do that. And why not do that now when I have the uh, capacity to, when I have the ability to, let me, let me have a little bit of forethought to act in today's best interest by acting in the future's best interest. If I go ahead and do the thing that's hard and disciplined now that will make everything easier in 40 years, maybe that'll actually make things easier today and this month and this year and just organize it in such a way that it's solely not dependent on you. As soon as you're gone for whatever reason, because you will be gone, you just want to organize it in such a way that it's not dependent on you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that you're there or not there. Now, you can make the decision to be there and to be actively engaged in that, but eventually the day will come where it's not just you. And so what are those steps? What are those decisions that you're making for the organization that's in the best interest of the organization and future owners for that matter? Yeah, I think the mental shift that it always requires me to have whenever we engage with these conversations is, it's probably two pieces. I have to think less highly of myself and my abilities and I have to think more highly of our team and their abilities. Mm. So I have to reduce the amount of time I spend thinking about, oh my gosh, like, well, I am such a blessing to this team, right? It's like, okay, thankfully, I'm not thinking through that lens like that, right? But if you're not careful, you can start to think like, oh man, I am path for growth and path for growth is me. That is trash. That is, not only is it not in the best interest of path for growth, it is not even in my best interest to think that way. So that is like the stupidest perspective to have ever. And and so I got to think less highly of myself, but then I've got to think more highly of, we have such wildly capable people and we are just scratching the surface in terms of what they could possibly accomplish if I just freaking got out of the way. Hmm. And it's like, man, if you can consistently apply yourself to that topic, that's really helpful. The other thing that comes to mind just on the back end of this episode on this topic of out of the business, I think a lot of times people really struggle with this because they don't have a vision of what it looks like. And what's been so helpful for me is I've gotten to spend some time with people who truly just own their business. They are out of it completely. And I got to see what that's actually like. Mm -hmm. And and it's so inspiring, number one, but so helpful because I don't 
pursue things that I don't believe are possible. The minute I see that it's possible, then I start to pursue it. So what I would tell people listening to this is go find some of those people because they're out there. And what's so cool is they got so much free time on their hands because they (laughs) own their asset. They don't run their asset. They're like thrilled to have intentional conversations about how you do this if you just structure the conversation correctly. So go find those people. And, And what I saw whenever I engaged with those people is it's like, okay, what do they actually spend their time on as it relates to their asset that they own? It's like they care high level about the vision in the organization, but it's not vision like we talked about with the CEO, where they're getting involved with the execution of what's being cast as the vision with the team. And they're certainly not involved in the strategic priorities. They're just making sure they communicate to that CEO, hey, here's what I'd love for us to move towards in the future. Here's what I really want for this asset moving forward and what I want to make sure that we're attending to and focusing on. And then they're providing some nudges along the way. Uh, Number two, they're, they're really interested in the overall strategic trajectory of the team, but they're not involved in the strategic tactics of the team. And so what does that look like? They do not go to meetings on the business or in the business. It's not like they're like, oh, I got to go to the Monday leadership team meeting. No, they own the asset, right? So at a, at a maximum, they attend a quarterly meeting with the CEO and members of the leadership team where the CEO and members of the leadership team say, let us give you a briefing on the status and trajectory of your asset. And it's that. And it's... It's driven by the CEO. The owner is someone that is shrewdly evaluating, are we accomplishing what we set out to accomplish? And is the CEO doing their job because the owner is paying that CEO a lot of money and so they want to hold them accountable? And then I think impact-driven leaders are conscientious of the impact that's being made. And then they're also conscientious of the culture within the team, but not conscientious of the culture within the team like These are the core values that I established when I was the founder of the organization and you're not changing them. No, if the CEO says we need to change the core values in order to accomplish what we need to accomplish, they have free reign to do that because the owner trusts the CEO. What the CEO cares about is like, is this an organization where people are treated well? Like, is this an organization that I'm proud to have my name on? Is this an organization that is making a difference in its community and is actually serving customers better and better every single day? And they're just looking high level at those things. What I want everyone on this podcast to hear is that regardless of whether you're in your business primarily or on your business primarily, or you want to move out to your business, but you're not there yet, I want you to hear that it's possible, Mm -hmm. right? It's absolutely possible. You just got to have a plan. And it takes such focus and intentionality. And and it's not going to be the type of thing that you say, okay, we're going to establish this plan and in three months we're going to be there. No, we're talking like three-year minimum, minimum plan. And that's if some you have some of the prerequisites in place. But that's the final thing that I wanted to say on what it looks like to be out of the business. Yeah, the the practice that I would encourage anyone wherever you are inside of an organization or relative to an organization would be to practice that skill of observation, right? What you just said is that it is possible. And if you don't believe it's possible, then you're not, you're not even going to entertain it as an idea. It's not a possibility. So why would you waste your time doing something that's impossible? But if you've seen it happen, if you know that someone has done it before, then that just gives you a little bit of food for thought and inspiration and ability to wrestle with someone who's been there and done that to say, okay, well, maybe it doesn't have to look exactly how they're like they're doing it, but it 
maybe it can look 20% like how they're doing it or 50% like how they're doing it. The point is it's possible. And so that will help you have vision for what you want to be true about your life, what you want to be true about your business and the impact it's having on your customers and the team, what you want to be true about your family and the legacy that you leave, even for today, the legacy that you have, but also the legacy that you leave after you're gone from the business or after you are long gone from this world. It's probably worth mentioning on the back end of this episode uh, that this is directly related to a topic that we are just currently so enthralled with at Path for Growth and within the Path for Growth community, and that's the topic of leading leaders. That's going to be the theme of our next in-person experience in Asheville. And I think it's connected because if you're actually ever going to move to the position of out or even effectively do on, what you don't want is you don't want to be a CEO with a bunch of followers. You want to be the type of business owner that has leaders in the business that has leaders on the business and that you can be a leader out of the business. And that starts with you, but then it starts with you being able to equip others. And then you got to move to equipping others, being able to equip others. And that's how you create an organization that create can really generate a, a sustained impact beyond yourself. And so I'm so pumped. We've been working some on that content. Zach's going to be there in Asheville, October 18th through the 22nd. It's specifically for business owners and their leadership teams. And so that's something you're interested in. We'll put the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can just go to pathforgrowth.com, go check out all the details on the Asheville experience. Zach, this was a great round two. I know we're gearing up for round three on the eight types of waste. And I think that's going to be a powerful way to take many of these concepts and make them really practical. Thanks, man. Well, I'm so grateful to Zach for his passion for this topic, but then also even more than just his passion for the topic, for his passion for seeing the topic come to life for leaders and teams around the country. Hey, real quick, before we close out today, if you enjoyed this content and want more content like it, we send out an email every single Wednesday called Worth It Wednesday. I personally don't like email that much, and that's because most email isn't worth it. It's not worth your time, not worth your energy. So we said that if we're going to send an email once a week, it better be worth it. Every week, you're going to get a principle worth learning, a question worth answering, and a recommendation worth taking you. You can read it in under two minutes. So many of you are already part of the Worth It Wednesday community. We'd love to have you join if you're not yet receiving this email. You can sign up at pathforgrowth.com or by clicking the link that's in the show notes. Y'all know this. We're rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.